Some of the perceptions that stop people seeking financial advice also stop them choosing advising as a career. Does the public believe only older, wealthier people need advice? And that advising is not a good career choice for youngsters? In this episode, I chat to Adam Carolan, who believes it's time perceptions changed, and he's actually doing something about it. Hear about his website and content for creating interest in financial planning among younger clients, and his initiative devoted to nurturing the next generation of young advisor talent. That's all right here in episode 86 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Welcome folks to the Empath Podcast. Thanks for listening, thanks for streaming, thanks for downloading. I really appreciate your support. I can't believe that I'm in sight of episode 100. I'm working on something really special for that landmark edition, but before then, expect lots of guests, lots of insights, and lots of ideas. Can you help me spread the word about the podcast? If you have two minutes, please share the podcast with one of your friends or one of your colleagues, either by email or by social media. Talking of spreading the word, I have a nifty piece of software that lets me know if any reviews appear on iTunes in other countries. Recently, Alex Cameron from San Diego wrote this. Roger's podcast is in my top 10 list of podcasts that I listen to each week. He understands what challenges his audience shares and delivers with a quality speaker each week who provides tangible solutions to all of our digital marketing problems. If you're craving practical, cutting-edge content that you can actually apply to your day-to-day life, this is the podcast to listen to. I'm really delighted with that review and I've been chatting to Alex quite a bit and she recently attended the Social Media Marketing World Conference in San Diego and she's going to pop onto the podcast in the near future to share the key lessons from the event. We can't ignore social media and digital marketing and I can't wait to share Alex's insights with you. So let's get on to today's chat with Adam Carolan. Adam is an independent, fee-only financial advisor and director of Zentum, specialising in working with aspiring professionals and business owners. He's a self-confessed finance nerd and a big fan of technology. He wants to see the rise of a young, dynamic and entrusting profession in personal finance. He's also author of Genius with Money, a site specifically set up to help professionals and business owners navigate money and finance without all the usual jargon. So let's get into that interview right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. And Adam, welcome to the Empath podcast. Hi Roger, how are you? I'm very well indeed. And yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. The sun is shining in Cheshire, so all is good in the world. I was going to ask you where we're Skyping each other from. So you're in Cheshire. Whereabouts in Cheshire? Yeah, well, I I live in Nutsford, but our office is based in Lim. So we're in what people call the Golden Triangle. Um, so there's quite a few Bentleys and Ferraris around where we live. 
<laughs> Do you drive a Bentley or a Ferrari? I'm afraid not. I'm a very boring financial advisor. I drive a Kia. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, today we're going to be talking about quite a few interesting things. You, you've got your fingers in quite a few pies. You've got a few websites. You've got a few businesses. And I think you've got some quite strong opinions on financial advice and marketing and the way that financial advisors can project themselves to their customers. But before we get into that, Adam, tell everyone listening to the Empath Podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes Adam Carolan tick. Yeah, well, there's a, there is a there is a lot of pies at the moment, <laughs> for a, for want of a better word. Um, basically, I I started getting interested in finance when I was probably about 16. So, so my late father. Um, gave me a copy of the Daily Mail. Uh, if anyone ever looks at Daily Mail, there's a load of AIM shares and, and shares in the back of there. And he asked me to look at about 10 shares and he gave me a couple of hundred quid um, to put in each share, um, which was great. It was absolutely fantastic at the time. And it was actually during the tech boom that I was picking some of the shares. And funnily enough, some of the shares went through the roof and some of them went bust. So we actually ended up up in the end, but it actually gave me a taste for finance and the way that companies work. Okay. So that, that was a great start for me. So then I, I did the usual school. I, I did okay at school and then I, I managed to get it to managed to get on, you know, Durham University. I did business finance at Durham University. And the natural course for me at Durham University doing business finance and where my all my friends ended up was to do investment banking in London. Mm-hmm. So I remember specifically we were being targeted by the investment banks, and this was uh, you know pre the crash, and and there was a few good jobs about. Um, so I did six months of investment banking in London, and basically the story I, I tell everyone is is I hated it. Right. You know, I, I couldn't handle the handle the culture. Um, I missed the the green of Cheshire. I missed the trees and and, and the parks. <laughs> I might get looked looked you know looked down upon because of that. But I, I really enjoyed being out in the countryside, uh, and I was just basically homesick. Um, so what I did is I, I came home. Um, I did what everyone in financial services seems to do. I found a job at an insurance company, and that was Aegon. Okay. Um, so I did a year there, and, and that was great. That was pre A day. Um, so I was there during the a, in the A day boom. Um, so that was really interesting times. And then I thought, actually, I want to go and see what it's like at an IFA. Um, I got signed up to go to an IFA. Spent a year there training, so that was fantastic as well. And then that was really the starting point to having a real interest in financial advice. I'd never come across it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got taken to Zentum, where I am today. Uh, and, and basically, I spent eight years, and I've been here eight years, going, you know, from the start, from a graduate trainee all the way up, did my para planning time. Um, I've been advising for about four and a half years now. And last year, um, I became a director. So, pretty much from start to finish, um, although I'd probably like to say I'm not finished yet, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've spent all that time at Zentum uh, growing with the company, really. You describe yourself as a self-confessed finance nerd. You are a director of uh, Zentum, as you've said. And you also say that as someone who's 20 years younger than the average financial advisor, you've got some interesting views on the sorts of clients that advisors have and perhaps how your clients are maybe different to the typical financial advisor's clients. Could you maybe expand on that a little for us? Yeah, so that that's based on when I, when I go to... Um 
you know, a trade, uh, a trade body conference. You know, I'm, I'll make no lies about this. It, fact is, I'm 20 years younger than your average IFA, mm-hmm. and it always has been like that, which is, you know, I, I can accept that. However, it doesn't mean that I have to deal with the same clients that your average IFA deal with. So I made a concerted effort probably about 18 months ago that I will really only take on clients that are around my age, which is 33, and I'll probably look to not take any clients older than 40. Right. Um, So, and to be honest, I don't have much competition in that space, which I I think is an actual bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually want it, I want... Uh, financial advice to be a lot more approachable, um, especially for the younger generations, because I think there's real value there. And do you think that the younger generation have a perception of financial advisors and and, and perhaps that's a perception that you want to try and overcome? Uh, I actually thought about this long and hard, to be honest, Roger, and I don't actually think the younger generation, particularly me, has any perception of financial <laughs> advice. Maybe any perceptions that they get is probably negative and passed on by maybe their parents. Uh-huh. Um, but I actually think there's an opportunity there to create a perception because most of my peers haven't you know, ever spoken to a financial advisor or dealt with a financial advisor. So it's actually a really good opportunity to make sure that our, you know, our generation's a bit different. I think a lot of what happens these days is guided by what we read in the media. Um, you know, if it appears in the aforementioned Daily Mail that you mentioned earlier, or any form of either finance or, or, or normal mainstream media, and I think that people tend to be almost biased by what they read in the press, and sometimes what they read in the press isn't actually that accurate. So we have got an opportunity, I think, to, to try and start to educate people as young as we can to understand things in a different way. Yeah, I mean, just, just going on to the young generations again, and and I don't read the Daily Mail. I know my <laughs> mother's a big fan of the Daily Mail, and, and I know a lot of the people that I talk to and, and a lot of my friends, they don't, they don't read, you know, what we, we would call the broadsheets. They mm-hmm. don't read the Daily Telegraph or the, the Times. They read online articles and, you know, Twitter and uh-huh. Facebook and LinkedIn. You know, social media is, is massive. So you've got a real shift, I think, of the way people get to that information. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, I, I hear a lot and read a lot about the millennials and the way that they deal with money. And, you know, that's great. But I don't actually think that the way I think and the, the way that a lot of my peers think is that's not relevant to me. Mm-hmm. So when, when we were talking about perceptions about having a financial advisor, you know, I, my first perception, probably, if I wasn't in financial advice, is that's not relevant to me. I haven't got enough money to deal with that. And is that because, again, the perception is that financial advisors only deal with people that have an absolute stack of money to invest or have an inheritance to be taken care of or that sort of thing, rather than just you know, a mortgage to be taken out? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, we're going on to perceptions. If there is one perception um, that... I would have and you know my friends have and the people I deal with is they don't have access to financial advice because they they perceive that they don't have enough assets for that for that advice um so that's the one thing that I, that I'm looking to change personally and that I think as a profession that we should change and in order to do that Adam you've actually launched your own website haven't you it's called genius with money Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I set up Genius with Money for a few reasons, really. Um, 
and it, it keeps evolving. It's, it's a bit of an evolving beast. But basically, I, I get asked all the time from friends who know I'm a financial advisor, what would you do about this? You know, I've got this money issue. What would you do? And that was great answering it on a personal level. But I actually think there's so much information out there and a lot of it is generic that not enough information is specific for my my generation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would call myself an aspiring professional. You know, I, I want to get on in life, which is, which is, you know, who I'm targeting as a client. And I, I'm also dealing with business owners. Um, so there's not enough information that's specific to to the you know the problems that I face and also these people face on a continual basis um, so that, that was the reason I set up with genius for money I didn't want to be generic in, in in doing that I want to be very specific about the issues that I come across and the issues that many of my friends are telling me that they come across as well so that that was the reason reason that I set up genius with money and I think by looking at the website, and I've got it up on the screen in front of me here, you're really doing a classic content marketing approach here. You've you've listened to the sort of people that you want to do business with. You've listened to what they're saying. You listen to the questions that they're asking about financial advice, about finance in general, and you're putting together content to effectively answer those questions. Yeah, I mean, my approach, again, is just to give as much free information as possible because I think... I think within financial advice, we're very protective about, you know, our content. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I think more people would trust us if we gave that freely to to people. Um, And that's not essentially what people pay you for as a financial advisor. They pay you to, you know, have a relationship with them and actually be a sounding board. They don't pay you for all the technical expertise from my from my experience anyway, they expect you to do that as part of your job. That's mm-hmm. a minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much a get as much information out there as possible uh, and make it free and make it accessible w- was was basically my approach that I wanted to um, take with Genius With Money. And what sort of content are you producing, Adam? Um, I do blogs. I do videos that I've just started. I am on social media plugging it all the time. And I'm thinking about a podcast, but I may or may not do that. My, my time's a bit uh, precious at the moment. Um, but I'm just trying to get the message out there as much as possible through as many mediums. And what I will probably do, Roger, I'll probably test those mediums after maybe six months, see what's working, see what isn't, mm-hmm. and maybe adapt the strategy to what's working. So already you've got, and I can see this on the website here, you've got free money guides, you've got one-minute money tips. Are the one-minute money tips the videos? They're the videos, yes. And you're producing these yourself? Yeah, I'm just getting, I've got my iPhone, um, I'm doing a one-minute video every week. Uh, last, The last series we did four videos on life cover for parents. Okay. Um, so that was one thing that we're going on. Um, we're going to probably do something about busy parents going forwards to do with investments. I'm just just formulating that strategy at the moment. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll do a one minute video every week and be consistent. And I'll also plug that through social media as well. Um, The videos are going very well, by the way. Facebook, I think, is is the real place 
um, that video is, is very interesting at the moment. I think you're absolutely right. And it's one of the things that comes up on the podcast quite a lot. And also a question that I ask, get asked quite a lot by the people that I deal with, my customers. A lot of people want to get into video, but there are things that actually hold them back. And, and the things that hold them back could be something qu- quite simple, like they don't like the sound of their own voice or worse they don't like the look of their own face on screen then people might think i haven't really got time for this or one of the most common objections is that people say i haven't got the right equipment but you've just said there adam you use your iphone and you know even even um, even three or four iphone versions ago we're now on the um the, the iphone 6s aren't we but even a few versions ago you can produce broadcast quality video on an iphone and if people are consuming this video on YouTube or, as you've said, on Facebook, then that is really good quality. And people don't mind what the quality is like as long as the content's good. And if the content's good, they'll consume it. And that helps you to create a relationship, to create engagement, and most importantly, in the line of work that we're in, create trust. And I think that people really do like to consume this content. And it's and it's good to see that you're almost leading the way in, 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 in your niche, really, with doing this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, to be honest, Roger. And, and I was surprised um, at how little people are doing this. And and really, one of my in- inspirations was was Pete Matthews' Meaningful Money. Yeah. Um, and I, I've spoken to Pete a few a few times, but watching those videos and speaking to him, I, I straight away would trust him because I, I can just see his characteristics, I can see his mannerisms, I can see what he's all about. And I, I just, I'm surprised that not not more people have done this in financial services because it, it just really works to see, uh, I know sales is a bad word, but who are you buying off? Mm-hmm. You know, a video mm-hmm. can really, really bridge that gap. And Facebook, you also mentioned that. I've been doing quite a lot of work with Facebook recently. And yeah, everybody would think if you do a video, it's got to go on YouTube. And yes, of course, it should go on YouTube. But what you should also do is actually upload the video natively into Facebook. Not not a link to the video in YouTube, but actually upload the actual video to Facebook because you're going to get a lot of organic reach just by doing that. In fact, there are those who argue that you'll get a better hit by doing that on Facebook than you would on YouTube. And the beauty of Facebook is that if you use the advertising features, and obviously you'll have to pay for those advertising features, but you don't have to pay too much, you can be very specific in your targeting. You could target males between the ages of 25 and 30 in Gloucester if you wanted to, and even drill down to a, a deeper level than that. So Facebook is a fabulous place to put this sort of content. I mean, that's exactly what I've done over the past three weeks. So all my videos have, have been uh, running through Facebook ads. So I've been getting quite a lot of hits, both on Facebook and through my website. Um, so it's just really being consistent. And as you say, it doesn't cost much to do these things. Um, and it's just getting you getting you out to a wider audience, I think. And one of the things that also comes up on the Empath Podcast when we talk about this sort of content, and especially when we involve social media into the mix, is the dreaded C word, compliance. What have you done on the compliance side to make sure that the content you're putting together and the associated social media activity is on the level from a compliance point of view? Yeah, I'm going to be honest here, Roger. I'd just be a human being. Um, and just be as genuine as possible. Um, I'm not out to sell any products or anything like that. I'm just out to give help. I don't plug my activities on Twitter or LinkedIn or, or Facebook. 
I basically just try to help people. And I think if you're authentic and you do that, I don't think compliance is an issue. And if any, if all the content you're putting out there isn't effectively a actual financial promotion, then you aren't breaking any rules anyway. Correct. Correct. So I, I would never really want to do a financial promotion. Um, really, all my stuff is generic. Um, educational, I suppose, is the word, isn't it? Yeah, ed- educational is the right word. Um, I only really talk about myself and what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the life cover for parents was based around what I did as, as, as a person, mm-hmm. um, not as a financial advisor, um, the things that I, I'm looking for um, as a parent. Mm-hmm. So as you say, educational is probably the right word. Um, if, 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 and this is where I'd never, never go to, if I wanted to um, go into specific recommendations, which, which you wouldn't on social media, it's not the right medium, I don't think, no. you would obviously have a compliance issue, but I don't think that's relevant to me. And interested to learn from you what the response to this content's been. Now, the aforementioned Pete Matthew, again, he's been on the podcast a few times. He recently told me that he's just surpassed half a million downloads for his podcast, which is a phenomenal achievement. Uh, but then again, he's got uh, he's got about five to six years head start on many people in the industry on doing this sort of stuff. What, what sort of reaction have you had to your videos, to your blogs, etc.? Yeah, I mean, it's early days. Um, so I've not been do- doing it too long, but the, the kind of reaction, so my, my Facebook is, is going well. Um, I'm, I'm running analytics on my website and I'm getting lots of new hits. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I had a ca- an accountant contact me last week. He'd looked at my profile, has already, already introduced me to a couple of clients over the weekend. So that was, that was quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great, but that was you know, because I, I look after clients that are relevant to him right. so that, you know, it's, it's all about the niche marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter, I've got 830 followers now and that, that takes up quite a bit of my time. But again, I'm starting to get people that contact me through Twitter. Um, so it's early days, but it's, it's going really well. I've had a couple of friends that have asked me um, to, to look after their stuff as well. Um, so I've not had a chance to meet them yet because I've been pretty busy, but I'm due to meet them in, in the next couple of months. Um, so it's just that consistent message all the time. And it, it, I, I can see it working, but I, I understand that I'll have to evolve the strategy as I go along because I think you, you have to do that as a mark, you know. In, in marketing, which I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, and, I, and I've recently done a podcast episode on this, a lot of people, especially financial services companies, product providers, I don't actually think they get social media. I actually don't think they get content marketing a lot of the time. And they just see social, they see Twitter and LinkedIn, etc., Facebook as just another advertising channel and on the promotional channel when in fact yes there are elements of um, promotion in there but primarily social media is about engagement it's about relationship building it's about building trust with potential customers and i think that the approach you're taking is very much along those lines you're producing educational material information that people want to consume and that helps you to build those relationships and builds engagement and hopefully over time builds trust and I very much think that that's the way to do it. Yeah for me it's just about starting a conversation um, because I think it's important that we engage more people to actually take control of their money. Um, I, I think I actually think in a cynical way that 
the the reason people put so so much information out there is to bamboozle people. <laughs> um, so so I think that the more people take control and actually um, have the conversation with you, you know with the professor mm-hmm. profession, I think that's a better thing. And what would be the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the Empath Podcast to take away from the experience you've had over the last few years putting this uh, website and and the ideas and your content together? Yeah, the one big thing really that that it, it it's taken me a while to get my head around, but to to be, I think to be successful, and, and you know, I'm I'm by no means self self confess, sorry, self confessing that I'm successful here, but I think you have to be niche in, mm-hmm. in the way that you target customers. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to understand who you want to work with, and you have to really define that audience, and actually make sure that you your communication is always the same towards our audience because mm-hmm. as soon as uh, I'll give you an example my all my profiles on wherever you wherever you go on the internet internet my mm-hmm. profile is specifically towards aspiring professionals and business owners right in, in in reality I could actually be a bit more defined but that's what it is for now mm-hmm. if I suddenly put that I look after retirees as well you know that confuses people so that that confuses the issue that I, I look after retirees, but I also look after younger professionals and business owners. Mm-hmm. And I think the big problem that financial services has is they try to capture everyone but miss everyone by doing that. I think that's a really important point. Really important point. And Adam, one other venture that you're uh, you're involved with is Next Gen Planners, and you've actually gone into business with a, a previous podcast guest, Rohan Sivajotti, who was on the Empath Podcast back in episode fifty three. Tell us a little bit about Next Gen Planners. Um, it's it's a moving beast, so it's fairly early. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Rohan and I got together, and we both thought and I think many people do in financial uh, planning that there aren't enough younger financial planners coming through mm-hmm. um, and I, I think I saw a statistic uh, on new model advisor which I commented on last week um, that was that's quite worrying really because when you look at financial services and you look at the average age of maybe 55 to 60 mm-hmm. and you, you hear a lot about people retiring from financial services well I'm not seeing, and I, I might be wrong, but I'm not seeing the younger guys coming through that really boost the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one reason that that we set it up. The other reason is, and, and this was, it's quite interesting for a few people when I say this, but we don't, well, I don't have the sales training that many financial advisors have had. Uh-huh. Um, so... I had no idea what commission was. I have no idea of selling. Um, I'd never worked in that kind of environment. I'd only ever worked in the environment I'm working in now, okay. which is great. And it's kind of, it, it, it was kind of a, you know, selling isn't a bad thing for us. And there are softer skills that we could learn that would make us better at our job as, as younger financial planners. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason about next-gen planners was really getting those best practices and soft skills out to the younger guys. And when I say younger guys, it includes us mm. uh, and maybe people that haven't been in financial services before. So the, there was no age. It was just um, we want to get better at our job and, and what are the things that can help us do that. So that was the reason for next-gen planners. And what does next-gen, next-gen planners actually provide? 
Um, at the moment, uh, we have a Facebook group. We have a, uh, a Facebook closed Facebook group that has around 60 members, but we have some really good um, communication in there. And, and nearly everyone that's that's part of it is giving back, which is great. So we've got some, um, we're talking about marketing, we're talking about websites, we're talking about various scenarios with clients. So it's a, it's a bit of a forum at the moment, but we thought that Facebook was the best way to go about that. Uh, and we think that's a good decision. Um, at the moment, I've recorded four podcasts um, with um, highly successful financial planners such as Chris Budd mm-hmm. uh, and Martin Bamford, mm-hmm. just to really get their story and, and how their week looks, because I think we can all learn from each other. Um, so that's where we are so far. Um, we've organized our launch party um, in May for our podcast. So that will be in London and that will be on the 20th of May from the top of my head. Okay. Um, and that will be a really interesting party. We've got some interesting ideas of how to do things a bit differently, which which is mainly Rohan's side, <laughs> um, his mischievous side. Uh, so that, that, that'll be really interesting. And then we'll probably do more events around the country. So um, what you're really doing is you're nurturing. You've almost created a hothouse for new advisor talent. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I, I just think that we should all we should all be together in this, really, mm-hmm. in, in driving the profession forward. There shouldn't be, we don't have to be seen as competition. We don't really want any, we call it a, a no-moan zone. So right. we, we don't want to moan about financial services. We just want to make it better. Fantastic. Adam, it's been fascinating to talk to you today about all your different ventures. I really like the sound of a lot of the things you're doing. I really like the website and the content and the videos and the blogs and and soon to be the podcasts that you're putting together. It's good to see somebody embracing digital technology and social media to push out the need for financial advice and also as you're doing with ne- with next gen planners the next generation of financial advisors before we go i always like to finish the empath podcast off with a quick fire round of business questions so let's go straight into that adam if there was one thing that you change about the financial services industry if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave what would it be yeah that that's easy um more younger planners <laughs> <laughs> i should have guessed that one yeah what's the one business model or it could be a product or it could be a campaign that's caught your attention in the last year tell us what it was and what you liked about it so this is interesting um because i had to had to think about this really um betterment who people will have come across um are a competitor of wealthfront in the u.s so they're they're what people would call a robo advisor yeah um and, and they're going great guns but what betterment have done really which is really interesting to me they've created a thing called betterment institutional right which is which is basically offering their robo advisor platform to advisors and that's a real growth area in their business at the moment. Uh-huh. So I can see that that would be very valuable um, going forwards. The fact that um, younger advisors such as myself can refer to you know a really really slick operating system that that offers um, ISAs or GIAs or pensions. Um, that, that that's interesting to me. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Yeah, is it okay if I, if I go on to? If it's okay of if I course, use two? absolutely. Um, so you use this and I use this. It's Schedule Once. Yep. Um, so I really like that, although I'm looking at Calendly at the moment because I think it's cheaper and it's quite slick. Okay. So that, that's quite interesting. Um, and the one thing that's really changed the game for me is, is using Skype mm-hmm. with, with clients. I just think it's amazing. 
what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. Yeah, um, there's one book I always refer to, um, and this is to do with marketing. It's called Selling the Invisible right. um, by Harry Beckwith. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's to do with service-led businesses. Right. Um, the problem we have in financial advice is that because we're service-led, um, what we sell is invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, We often promise people what we're going to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the problem with financial advice sometimes is what we say we're going to deliver isn't actually delivered. Um, so what this is about is actually turning that something that is intangible into a tangible service. Right. So some something that people can actually see, you know, feel, understand. And, and I think that's what I've been using quite successfully uh, with some of my clients at the moment. And that's going well. And Adam, before we sign off, tell everyone how they can connect with you. Um, I well, as someone said to me, I'm all over the place at the moment, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm on Twitter as Adam underscore Zentum. Um, my Genius With Money is on Facebook. It's a page, uh, but probably the best place is Next Gen Planners at the moment. If you want to join the group, we've got, I think, 56 members as of today. That's that's increasing every day. And, and just come and join the conversation um, because, you know, th- there's not an age uh, limit as long as people are willing to be positive and give back, we, we'd gladly, um, you know, appreciate your input. And I'll put links to all those all over the place places in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash NPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash NPAF. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Let me wish you every success in the future and hope to catch up with you again soon. Yeah, no problem, Roger. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?